okay, I don't, I don't I know there's going to be a clap. record at the same time. No one told me about a clap, so I might be a little bit kind of coordination. <clears throat> just wasn't prepared, okay? okay. As, like, I sit here with a hand that's doing nothing. I'm like, I couldn't do both. <laughs> so, sounded like you, you guys had some ideas, though. I'm curious to hear that. Yeah, so if it were for the first segment, we could listen to Aaron eat his food. Um, okay, yeah. Sure. So sure. Yeah, that'd be a like good that. start. It's, it's very delicious, seg- Kyle. Segment Thank two, you. I just like <clears throat> yes, like lower and raise the thermostat yeah. in the con. And so there's the heat is on. Mm-hmm. We're heating up the incubator tonight. Okay. And we're going beyond the petri this dish. week beyond the culture, mm-hmm. beyond the petri dish with Kyle McGee and. Heather. No last name, because she's that cool. Heather Lynn. <laughs> Heather Lynn. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Are yes, you ready for the beyond? Us. I am. I'm ready. In three, two, one. So, yeah, I mean, I had things on the agenda. Um, I was telling the guys last time that I I have, oh, I guess he's not a mutual friend, but I have a friend that got a Legionella from a man-made hot springs. Oh, hot spring? I guess that's singular. Um, In Colorado. But that was pretty interesting. That is. um, I feel like normally it comes from rooftop AC units. Yeah. Yep. That is true. The whole true. Legionnaires convention thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Getting a little historical here. A whole community uh, of human human beings. A whole yeah, a whole community of immunocompromised human beings. <laughs> but you know what's so interesting hey. about Legionella is how difficult it actually is to make a laboratory diagnosis that is not molecular. Did it you guys ever cause... You, you mean it's because it's harder? Cultures? You mean it's hard to recover in culture? Is that what mm-hmm. you mean? Yep. You guys yeah, ever do that? Yeah, yeah, we did uh, Legionella cultures, BCYE. Yeah. Well, and it makes it tough too because on the gram stain, it's kind of hard to see because you got the faint, staining, thin gram negative rod. So between that and nothing growing on the routine culture, if you're not looking for it, it's a good point. I remember that we sort of did Bordetella and Legionella cultures together. And I remember that we used these interesting little glass bottles that had the media in it, and we had to put Mm. them in anaerobe jars. And you guys think anaerobes are nasty little environment. Um, (laughs) The humidity, (laughs) and and you were holding them for like 14 or more days. It was disgusting. You'd open those things up and everything's just wet and it feels gross. And then you have to look at these little glass bottles. Did you guys ever do that? Or am I old? Wait. No, so I wait. Seen, I think I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. The glass bottles, you mean like the trans, uh, transportation vials or? No, they, like um, with blood cultures and things, they used to actually have like actual like glass bottles that had media in them and you could. Mm-hmm. You'd like inoculate them and you'd look at them. 
No, so this is not what wasn't that? sort. Of, so it was like, and now I'm like trying to look up a picture of this because it was like almost like the shape of a flask, yeah. but like much smaller. And then, of course, like it lay on its side, it had the media, but it had like a screw cap. Yeah, it looked like a little, not like a little, not like a juice box, but like I know what you're talking about. Okay, so I'm not as old as I thought. No, I've seen them in textbooks, but I always thought they were transportation vials. Oh no, those suckers. And of course, oh, found one. Found one! Now I'm gonna have to, have to just share it with you guys real quick to make sure we're all on the same page. You guys see that? I do. Yes, that's exactly what I was picturing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And it would just get real nasty. Like, the amount of moisture yeah, and it just stench that would come from those. I was like, I don't want to read those. Plus, none of them were ever positive. And so it was a really tough learning curve for positivity because like, normally... Like, when you see something positive, you sort of file that in your brain as to what to look for, right? But there were, they were never positives. So... Yeah. We, we had never... some... I saw some positives, at least in my time. Yeah, well, I mean, with the, the bottle, too, that'd be hard to see if you had, like, a lot of normal flora that was there. Like, having to pick something out through a cloudy kind of bottle. Yeah. You know what, the, um... you know what they don't teach you in school? Is when you're reading those cultures, everything looks like Legionella. <laughs> well, it's possible. You're it's like, possible. I kind of see that pearly look, yeah. It's possible that maybe I never saw any positives because I didn't know what a positive look like. I'm like, seems negative to me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, based off the bottle, did you do the the DFA, the direct fluorescent, and like the actual like stain? Um, no, because yeah. this was. Hold on. I'm gonna really age myself here, guys. This Before was probably fluorescent microscopes. So I'm pretty sure we had fluorescent microscopes, but like, I was there was never anything that looked worthy of investigating okay. further. I guess, um, but this would have been okay. Hold like fifteen years, fifteen years ago. Let's see, I would just gram stain everything. If it was gram negative rods, I would just throw it to Maldi. <laughs> we didn't, there was no Maldi. I know, I know. You, in this lab. In you guys have been in, in, lo in this a lot longer than me. It and I was unwilling. A machine. I, was, <laughs> I was unwilling <laughs> to open that stinky little jar to investigate further. <laughs> yeah. We used to have to make our own decolorizer, Kyle. Didn't hey, we still do that. 15 miles to go pick it up. Well, I remember uh, for the longest time, uh, Danielle would make the decolorizer, and then when she retired, other people had to start making it. <laughs> Wait a minute, making it? So we yeah. used, to, like, our... The 50-50, what, 50-50 acetone alcohol mix? Mm -hmm. Our supervisor yeah. would just, like, stop at Walgreens and buy a bottle of acetone and put it in See? the bottle and just load, like put it in the row with all the rest of the reagents to save on cost. It's probably Seems why legit. probably probably why I'm like <laughs> still <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> with my gram stain competency. <laughs> Aaron's quality flags are going crazy right now. Here danger, that. danger. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's exactly Has what I was that thinking. Been QC'd organisms. Um mm -hmm. yeah no for Legionella I for a little bit when I 
first start working, we used like the uh, the DFA on the scope. Uh, the only problem with that was uh, you could mix up Pseudomonas with Legionella. They both fluoresced. So that was kind of fun. And then, uh, did you guys ever use the the uh, Bionex cards? The antigen one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Not at the lab that I have been talking about this whole time. Um, but yes. Um, many years later, I worked in a lab that afforded us that beautiful opportunity. It's a, it's a nice little test, but only downside is it only picks up stereotype one. So if you happen to get one of those other ones, no bueno. You know, I think this is actually a really interesting conversation. And maybe we just expand on this. Let's all just take a minute and think about the number of tests that we used to do manually and are now either molecular or antigen detection. And how do we feel about that? Like, do you feel robbed of, like your skills or learning opportunity and if so does the accuracy or even specificity and sensitivity of those tests outweigh that feeling of being robbed of that opportunity to like learn how to do something the traditional way to the to the first point, no, because I feel like I got ten new duties out of it as a result. <laughs> it's like now you're the key operator of Maldi, and <laughs> let's name a few. Let's name yeah. a few things we used to do manually. So I kind of feel good about the fact I was on the cusp of it, like right as we were transitioning to more mass spec, more molecular, where we were still doing some tube reactions where we're still doing the, the TSIs and that we're still, I mean, we're still doing those. And then even with like microscan, how we still had the biochemicals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm glad I got to see it. And at, at some point, some kind of like when I talk about it, I'm like, oh, am I viewed as the old tech now that uh, the, the <laughs> I was looking at going, oh, you're so old. I mean, like um, I'm old, but I am not mouth pipetting old. No, okay. I'm not mouth pipetting old. I'm not getting hepatitis. I'm good. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? Like, people that I worked with in the lab, they were like, we used to have to mouth pipette, like, stool yeah. samples. I'm like, yeah, no, I would have no, peaked out. I, I would have been like, this yeah, job isn't for me. To, <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to a training, and the guy's like, yeah, I got hepatitis from mouth pipetting. I was like, oh. And he was <laughs> just like, but he was still yeah, working was in like, the lab. He's cool with that. Too. He was like, yeah, he's like, back in the day, we used to do this. <laughs> And another like evening shift tech I worked with, she's like, "Yeah, we used to smoke and eat in the lab." Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the stories I hear. Is <laughs> I like, like we have a culture plate in one hand, like smoking a cigarette in the other hand. Like you'd set down the cigarette to type in your results. Like you're just having a sandwich while you're like reviewing a I picture stool like culture. an Atlantic City like gambling lady talking about did you do your TSI? You see any C diff in there? <clears throat> I can smell it. <laughs> you must not know anything. Must be full of crap. What else? What else has moved in that direction? I used to do manual C diff cultures with the chopped meat broth. Did you guys do that? It was. I did it with so, anaerobes. Yeah, but I mean, we only ever use chopped meat for uh, storing samples. Well, yeah, you. How's it different? Um... How is it different for culture? 
So it was used almost like a thiobroth, like where you would take a swab of the growth. And this sure. is the part that always grossed me out because you have to kind of navigate through the chunks of meat to get the swab to be in the liquid enough to kind of feel like you were actually getting some of it in there. Then you more. had to incubate the broth like in an anaerobe bag. And then there was, and I don't even remember all the details, but I remember you would take the chopped meat broth and see if it would fluoresce like in a dark room with a fluorescent light. And that's how what? you, yeah. And the chopped meat broth is like, so you know those like pellets that are like on the floor of like rodent cages? Like if you have like a pet rabbit or something and there's like, <laughs> like, so it's almost like little rectangular pieces. Like it look, it just looks like pellets. Yeah, but because, I never of it that way. <laughs> well, because <laughs> they're like in, yeah, like because they're in liquid though. The minute that you touch them with the swab, they kind of start to break apart, and it's like a real, yeah. But we we would try to culture seed it. Like yeah, we no, did not I... do antigen detection or molecular or anything like that. We were like, we're gonna grow it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I just remember people telling me that when you open the jar, it smells like a stable, almost. So I had someone yeah, tell me that. But yeah, for C diff, we had to we did the EIA where you were um, looking for like the color change. But uh, yeah, the the chopped meat um, you can use that for a better gram stain for on your anaerobes too. Uh, well, you'll get a little bit better from morphology. So back up here. So wait, what is chopped meat? Like, how does it work? Like, what is it made of? Yeah, how does it create an anaerobic environment? Isn't that the whole point of chopped meat? It's not the chopped meat that makes the anaerobic environment, I don't think. But um, <laughs> it's funny. I was like, I'm going to consult Google and I only, oh, you typed, know what? I only typed chopped meat and now I'm just looking at like so Google's... many images of ground beef. <laughs> well, there probably, there probably is... I steak now, man. <laughs> there probably is like a uh, oxygen oh, tolerance gradient in the chopped meat. Like I'm assuming the bottom of the broth is probably very anaerobic. Um, yeah. So it probably doesn't necessarily need to be an anaerobic environment to preserve anything. No, but I thought we, the meat like did something to like facilitate a more anaerobic environment. I thought it had yeah, like a role. I mean, it does seem that that is accurate. Um, now, keep in mind, this was within my like first year or two working in the lab. So I was not actually at that time taught like the reason or the rationale behind everything. I was just taught to like follow a procedure. Um, but just the fact that this is called anaerogrow indicates that like you're onto something, Mr. McGee. Yeah, I've got something there. Yeah, um, he, is but you, he is a professor, so. But you see like what I'm talking about, like I'm not crazy with this like rabbit floor pellet thing, right? Like, yeah. Oh no, it definitely looks like that. It's it's like the bedding no. of a rodent cage. If you go to the, the top there, the little cork looking thing at the top, the little rubber stopper after a while, there's so much gas production, it like builds up and like it almost starts to pop out a little bit. Yeah. So with these, uh, you had to like tilt them at an angle and it almost sounded like champagne popping, but with a really yeah. bad smell. Yeah. So we didn't even have, like ours just had a screw top. Like that's how long ago it was. Mm -hmm. They didn't account for like that pressure buildup. Um, you were just oh, like geez. opening it and it was like, <laughs> like there was not a oh, valve <laughs> when I was using them. Man, so we were fancy. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's terrifying. 
Now keep in mind, this is a very high volume reference lab that is known to typically save on costs. So I'm not actually surprised that we didn't go the the valve option. It could have existed, but this lab was not going to pay for it. Say. So I thought this was interesting. So we took uh, my son to the doctor today, um, just because he's been having a lot of colic, um, a lot of straining. He's been passing stool just fine. He just always seems like he's in pain. And so we took him to the doctor, and the first thing they wanted to rule out was a milk allergy. And the way they were going to go about doing that was doing a occult blood test. Um, and the oh. doctor's like standing there, like. Uh, explain to me what a cold blood test is, how they perform the test. Of course, he's got the card right there with the, the blue cap vial dropper and everything like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've done plenty of these in my time. <laughs> Wait, so how did you guys do them? So t the the card one? The, the, yeah. Uh, are there other cause... methods? I'm actually not sure. I've always so done the card. We use the OC Auto Um at this same lab that keeps coming up in conversation. Uh, and it was slightly automated and you could run like, I wanna say it was like maybe six at a time. Um, there's still a manual element and it had like a, like a reagent vial. And that's how I first actually was introduced to the concept of performing lot to lot testing, um, was mm. through this OC auto test. Um, here, let's see if I can. So it came in this little, this little bodily thing here. Like it was shaped like this. Oh, like this a is a new one. Yeah, actually, it's probably a, the old way. Again, like what you were doing. Um, but yeah, it looked like this when it was submitted, and yep, just like that. Did you see that? that first image mm -hmm. and it was sort of automated sort of and that's how we did them so now i'm curious to know huh. how you guys did but yeah they were submitted in this little container i guess if you're doing a lot of them this would make sense for it to be automated like this it looks like they've improved the machine since i see many racks you could only load one rack at a time and it would process that rack's worth. And then it even had like the, um, what's it called? Like the thermo paper where it didn't actually have ink. Like the results like came out on a strip of paper like this, this thick, like at the top of the instrument. And it, it was like thermal paper. Like it was like a heat transfer of the results onto that paper, but the sample was submitted in this tube with the seafoam green top with some kind of liquid in it that I have no idea what was in it, but it was, I don't know. The thickness was maybe a quarter of, a, of an inch in thickness. Like it was very thin and it was maybe an inch and a half tall. It almost looks like a little uh, chemistry analyzer, almost like a little Clinitech, like urine strip reader that well, yeah, no, it, kind of, it kind of reminds me of the iris. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I did not know they like. I, I think ours are. I felt real bad. We we changed to something else. Um, but it's. I think it's a quick point of care test. But that's kind of cool. 
Well, so if you look at some of these images, which I know that we're not showing images here, so if there's anyone listening, bear with me. It would actually be loaded into this tray upside down and you can there's a foil on the other side so if you look at that image it's just a foil and part of what the instrument did was it punctured through the foil to get to the sample that was stool suspended in the liquid that comes in this like little container thing um but the problem with that was is that typically we request that they would submit additional stool because once you pierce that foil pouch, if it's like an invalid test or the machine faults or something, then like it's one and done. But it was not terribly uncommon for us to have to take a new one of these little sample submission devices, this like little guy with a seafoam green top, and we would have to take the extra stool and and the little top, the seafoam green top, has a stick attached to it. And so you'd have to dig into the stool sample to get more and like re-inoculate the stool sample if it was like an invalid test or it faulted for whatever reason. And uh, it was interesting. And they were so gross when they would arrive, like, because the whole outfit was like covered. How are we always talking about poop on this? Yeah, it, it had to be. <laughs> it had to be a lot because... To actually justify buying it, the instrument, I'm sure you were doing hundreds, a whole lot of these, yeah. And we batched them. And here's the kicker. That smells great. <laughs> this was considered, um, like, I was trained on this when I was being trained in a, an element or a segment so of were parasitology. They, were, they like, were they like, this is the future, future, future? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I did not. I it, it was really the first like automated test that I'd ever run because I was only in micro. And so the closest thing to automation I was using was the Vitek legacy. Um, and so I was like, wow, <laughs> like, this is cool. Like you can run several at a time. And like the results print on this thermal paper. And I was like, here I am learning parasitology thinking that because that like, is I where it's so cool. Yeah. Like that's where it fell in like, how all the tests were segmented is it fell in parasitology so i'm over here thinking that like here i am being cross-trained in parasite and i'm like no you're just doing occult blood tests like it's not parasitology <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think ours is done in chemistry but uh man the vitek legacy you had to manually cut your vitek part straws so that was cool okay i feel spoiled that though. sounds we awful have a, we have a vitek too and uh fun fact uh did you know nasa invented the uh, the Vitek. I actually think that I did know that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the legacy. There was a vacuum chamber, and you would have to like open the door, and you could only put like maybe four cards in it, if I remember <laughs> right. And you closed the door, and then you'd hit the button, and you just stand there, and you could hear it like like vacuum sealing, and then it would be like ding. And then it was done. You had to take them out and they were in these individual trays. Then there was this cutter thing on the side of the instrument next to this little vacuum chamber. And you had to take each one and shove it into this cutting thing. And it would be like, and it would cut the straw, like how it does now, like in the Vitek 2. But you were shoving it, it in the there. Side. It was on the side of the instrument. Yeah. And so you had to, all of the upfront prep that happens in the Vitek 2 prior to getting the cards in the incubator was 100% manual. Like you even had to load the individual cards into the carousel 
and then put the carousel back into the instrument so that it could incubate. That's I don't how know old about I that am. life. I don't know about that life. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm spoiling it I'm Vitek Legacy up. old. That's how old I am. Yeah, I went from uh, microscan to Vitek, and I was like, oh, this is nice. You just put your suspensions on there, and it just takes it away. <laughs> no. But, wow, okay, that used to be a whole lot more man. Didn't you have to used to mark the cards, too, or something? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't remember that much, but the Legacy, I mean, it was, it really, really allowed me to very much appreciate automation um i was like the vitech too this is insane like who could even think of something so crazy like and i just needed to walk into the chemistry department and like look at one of their automation lines and i would be like no it's just that micro is not afforded this same luxury in it's general that far behind yeah because they look at us like we're crazy we're like everything's hooked up to automation and they're like oh is this normal but we're like, oh my gosh, look at it go. We have an identification. It's not taking 18 to 24 hours. <laughs> but that's what I mean, going back full circle no. to like the change that we have even seen in our career's time where everything used to be manual, like everything. And now these like new, this new generation of microbiologists is experiencing only automation. And I feel like we're kind of doing them a disservice because if we put them in a classroom setting and said, identify this with only these tools, they wouldn't be able to do it. And I think that we're actually robbing them of their ability to troubleshoot potentially erroneous results because we're not teaching them what they need to look for that we all learned because we were forced to do things manually. Yeah, but we actually have that basic knowledge that it's kind of essential. So you're kind of right. It's just it, it, micro's not chemistry. It's not heme. It's um, you gotta have that basic knowledge. And when we're moving towards these platforms, it's you, we're kind of losing it. You're we're kind of robbing them of the, that knowledge. Yeah. Um. So what else? What else comes to mind for you guys when you think of things you used to do manually? I think of crypto and Giardia too. Trick, trick is now a lateral flow, a little EIA going on, um, where we we used to like get to look for something moving, which sounds oh. really gross. That I'm like, God, I miss that. I miss seeing the the STD in its in real environment. <laughs> yeah, we still do web reps. Still around. Oh yeah, we moved away from them just recently, so we're no longer doing web preps. It's a uh, a molecular uh, vaginalis panel Ooh. now, so um, that that's another good example. I mean, I, I did get excited to actually see that. When, I mean, you kind of think about it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm excited that I'm seeing trichomonas. Should I be excited that I'm seeing an STD <laughs> for somebody? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised it went molecular because, like, doesn't it have to get to the laboratory like within an hour? Otherwise, they die off. Oh, yeah. we've got a uh, like a transport swab that, that they use in the bag. Okay. I think we talked um, about it's this like before. a little. You like the remote swabs? Like a, um, kind of, but it's a um, not to name names. It's just a little um specific sample with like a little media transport media with mm -hmm. it um and usually as long as for us as long as they're getting it to us within 16 hours we can still run it oh well i didn't realize it was i'm over here as being like 
<laughs> They're just but, swabbing vaginas but, and then running them to the lab. <laughs> oh, but did you guys just, use the bags with the clips? Right. Use the bag with the clips? I wow. have seen those. Yeah. When you like put them in the ink, you'd have like a bag with had like saline or something in it, and you like clipped it, and you'd put it in the incubator to yep. try to warm it up, make the trick happy, <laughs> <laughs> and then throw it on the slide. Yeah, and, and just... like you would clip it down so that you had like one area inside the bag that you were focused on, like a but fancy yeah, Ziploc bag. <laughs> you would incubate them overnight, like it. It was this crazy. Yeah, it was just a bag. And, um, oh, here, I found a, a real good example here. So I, these bag, this bag system came with a clip that was about the size of a slide. And you would view these, I think, 40X, and you would just clip a section of the bag and look for something swimming in there. And that was how we read trips. What the heck? Where are you finding oh, wow. these things at? <laughs> In the lab I used to work at. Yeah, there's like thing. from like like a different like parallel universe of laboratory testing because I have not seen any of these things. Well, that's probably because you worked in a prestigious hospital lab, and I worked for a place that you know was cost cutting was yeah. a little she, more. She important. worked amongst the. Is Amish. that what this is? This is cost yeah. cutting because this yeah. looks pretty cool. Amongst the Amish, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. she turned mm -hmm. her butter. <laughs> then she looked for her trick in the bags. <laughs> no, I, I've seen this before. Um, it's no, not really. Yes, I have. <laughs> right you now, forget how <laughs> old I am. I've seen it all. Well, at least it feels like we are, Aaron. You and I are together in our like we are trick clip old. Um, but it's <laughs> but it sounds it sounds like you're not quite Vitek legacy manual card cutting old. <laughs> I'm not. I, I've I've heard tales of the cutting of the Vitek. <laughs> it's a legacy thing. I think I'm one of the spoiled lab techs because when I started working, we we just got Maldi Toff. So, dude, so you've had like Maldi your whole career, essentially. It, yeah, essentially. Like I've That's never bonkers. had, I've never had to do a TSI. I've done some like NH panels and and API strips, but for the most part, I've been uh, pretty spoiled. You are like, yeah. I feel like you might fit the category of being robbed of some of the education that Aaron and I have under our belts. Oh yeah, yeah. No, if I was told to uh, bust out the TSI slants, I would have to grab a textbook. <laughs> I didn't have to do that. I did that like in school, but I. Yeah. We would only yeah. do that if, like, we couldn't get a, an ID on, like, Vitek or Microscan or, like, something else. But, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no. So, we still actually do our uh, TSI urea slants for our stool cultures for screening off of the plates. Because um, you got to remember with, um, what's it called? With Maldi, it can't really differentiate E. coli from Shigella. Mm -hmm. So, there's still a lot of value in those phenotypic, like, so the, the visual, like, sugar slants for those um but you you're right you can use the vitec card but we we still use those to kind of screen um and then if our tsi like for shigella is k over a with with no gas and nothing's happening then we'll move to the uh the vitec card so the id card um and then even with our um we still have id cards for uh like nh cards for like niceria uh gonorrhea because like in 
pediatric patients, you have to confirm it by two methods. So, uh -huh. so we still have that, but we're, we're Maldi's been a big shift, but yeah. So <laughs> thanks to, yeah, thanks to the uh, stool bench. I'm still familiar with my TSIs. So we had urea slants that we typically only used in like a very rare scenario, similar to what you described, but it was still not commonly used. Um, and then we kept them around for ruling in or ruling out select agents as well. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with motility. So, and let me tell you how terrible I am at um, appropriately preparing a motility slate. Like I have to mentally prepare and I got to put both my elbows down on the desk and I get the needle and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. It's going to be straight. And I was still shaking. So I'd like, it was when I was trying to take the needle out of the motility slant that I would be like, whoa. And then I'm like, dang it. And I would have to yeah. take a picture of it so that I knew what the starting point was because I knew that I had not removed it straight and I wasn't going to be able to see if it was actually those modal. were frustrating you'd be like looking at them like well I can kind of see it it looks like something's moved there is it around the stab and then people are like are you sure I'm like well I think I was I'm sure a second ago that nothing's happening <laughs> yeah no my no. favorite is when people are like if it's positive, you'll know. And I'm like, that is not helpful to me. That's, that's not helpful because I it's feel like I know that problem. this is positive. <laughs> yeah, I think the only motility I felt good about was um, with Listeria, how it does the umbrella. That's the mm -hmm. only time with the auger. I was like, oh, umbrella. Okay, one and done. Sure down. enough. Mm -hmm. well, I'd be yeah. lost without the motility slants that have the purple dye in it. Oh, We can yeah. actually visualize it. See, like Kyle just... He only I'm worked spoiled. in a lab with a lot of money. <laughs> only. Because we asked for those. We literally like submitted a written request. Hey, we all suck at appropriately preparing motility slants. So can we just get the ones with the dye? And they're like, no, that the cost increase associated with that and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, like you pay me almost nothing. So like, I feel like there's got to be spare money somewhere that, like, you're not using for my pay. Like, like, can I take my two pennies that I'd be reading? Like, my tech time. Can you just spend that tech time I would be wasting staring at this thing, trying to see if it's moving yeah. or not, and just give me some dye? No, I... <laughs> just picture you with, like, food coloring, just dropping it in. We thought, <laughs> said, we I... all tried to figure out, like, could we put some crystal violet in there? And maybe, like, <laughs> it's going to help us a little. Like, maybe you just dip the needle in like some crystal violet and see if like that'll help um i don't recommend that no it didn't work very well in case you're wondering you end up getting like mutant bacteria or something no it just like <laughs> it just it smeared the needle line and it made it like less distinguishable <laughs> it is but... interesting how um oh god what was i gonna say how cost cutting can affect the dynamic of the laboratory testing Mm -hmm. I did not think about that. Yeah. yeah. So 16 years in the micro lab, guys. 16 years. And you know that I only ever used Maldi for the first time a year ago. One year ago. Really? Yep. See? In my PRN job, that is the first time I've ever touched a Maldi slide. Is when I started working PRN in, in a local lab here. See, well, I was so good at Maldi, they called me the Maldi Magician. No one calls me that. <laughs> <laughs> like, somebody help Heather. <laughs> no, they are. They're like, 
Like I still double spot and everybody's like, wow, you have a lot of IDs today. I'm like, I'm literally still double spotting. They're like, why? You know that it's not requirement. I'm like, I like to cast a wide net because I'm not good at this. <laughs> yeah. See, I just wait for when you double spot, I'm like, see that double spot. I, you wouldn't have got that. So, yeah. So. I will say I was a little disappointed. Was anybody disappointed with Maldi? Probably not. Cause Kyle's like, nah, that's just the norm. Like I walk into the lab and we have all these amazing things. Um, I just had this image in my head that it was like magic, like this magical thing. I was going to stick the slide in there. I was going to open a door, put it in. And five minutes later, I was going to have IDs for everything. I mean, that's and then pretty, I'm like, that's, I mean, it's pretty magical. That's essentially what's happening. <laughs> no, it's not because it typically ends up taking two hours. It takes a solid 10 minutes just to open the door so I can put my slide in. And then another 10 minutes for it to vacuum seal to the appropriate pressure. And then it just takes its sweet time. Sweet time. I'm like, full slide? That's an hour. Which I get that I'm complaining about an hour versus 12 or something, like, overnight. So it's still magic. But I just, I expected it to be more magical, I guess. See, you have one of the old Maldives. You gotta get one of the new ones. They're a lot faster. This is new to me, Kyle. Did you not hear me? For the first time, I used Maldi just one year ago. It's it's new. Let it's her shiny. have this moment, Kyle. Let her have the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was magical. It's kind of cool. You literally are putting something on a slide and then a laser zapping it and it's going up a tube. And then like some of those um like achromobacters and the stenotrophomonases that... um. For microscan, you have to wait for like 48 to 72 hours in some of those IDs. I was like, yes. But at the same time, you're only as good as your library. So if you've got a crap library, then. Well, but, God forbid, yeah. God forbid you put a mucoid pseudomonas on a Maltitoff. Those are the hardest IDs to get to work. Well, there is a trick. I know you can do the extractions, but that still sucked. Oh, I wasn't thinking of that. Was, you can actually, like, you can lift the colony and, like, swab a little bit underneath of it. And what? then you can put that on the, the target, yeah. How come no one's ever told me this? I think I did tell you that. You, you just weren't listening. Yeah, you're probably right. Or you're like, Aaron, I gotta go. I got Chipotle. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I'm used to these fancy things. I don't need your old man tricks. <laughs> well, Heather's looking at looking very questionable about what you just said. No, I just don't know why I was told to just use formic acid for mucoid. Like, I mean, we you just you do the thing you do for yeast. We use formic acid for for everything. Yeah, you can you use formic acid. Yeah. Uh, there's a more extensive extraction process, but um, oh, I think I, I know what system you're using. Um, yeah, uh, you do use formic acid for the extraction that that particular system uses. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Because the, uh, the one of the other systems uses formic acid, and it's a more drawn out process. But the one I think you're using, okay, so just I'll just describe. Formic. Yeah, so if you're doing a yeast or something really mucoid, you spot the slide, and you instead of it's one microliter that we normally put on, right, for the CHCA, like, right, and you just put. 0.5 of formic acid you wait for it to dry completely and then you put one microliter of chca and that's what you do if you have a yeast or something mucoid no <laughs> 
Okay, I don't well, know. Like, <laughs> let's all just be real. There's literally only two Maldi systems basically used in the lab. So, like, I use the Vitek MS. That's what, what I'm I was referring to. At, but I was trying to name any names. I know, I, I do. but there's only two. So, like, we're just, I'm just, yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I will say everything that I had a complaint about on the Vitek MS when I first started using it just only one year ago, <laughs> um, they fixed with the prime like you do you know you just put the slide in a slot man you just walk up like like it's a vending machine that you put a dollar in you just you don't even have to wait the no door opening no depressurizing i haven't used it oh it's pretty cool oh i have not used the fancy one we, we wow. still have the one where you have to open the door but the cool thing with that is you can the hours because you can load up to four slides and then the disposable slide is actually kind of nice but yeah, it can take some time to to load. Well, and like you're locked out, like somebody's selfish. They don't consult with the rest of the group. Is your slide ready? That door locks and it's like, oh, it's like in slow motion. You're like, no, yeah. wait, I want to yeah. go to lunch. I got but to the, load this But the new slide. version, they also cover that. That's why you just stick it in that slot, man. It can be doing its thing and you can just load it as far as i understand like i said i haven't used it but i did ask okay. for a demo at a recent trade show and so that's you will you'll have to report back to us on it yeah well i don't i also now also work for a cost-cutting lab as a prn so i wouldn't have high hopes for an update on my my updated <laughs> mass spec experience do you have any anti-advice or best practices to close us oh, out i do i do actually so um when i first started using maldi one of the reasons why it took me so long to become you know an expert which is certainly what i am now <laughs> uh no one would question that <laughs> um there's this little alert that pops up when you don't get an id and it says not enough peeps because if you went to a baker and you were like, there's not enough peaks, what would that baker do in response to that? Put more butter in, more batter. More, more, more. Not enough? More, more, more. Um, so this alert was evidently happening because I was already spotting my slide a little too thick. And then it was like, not enough peaks. And I was like, more, it needs more, more, more. And so then I was like making them even thicker. And so then I was getting this alert even more than I was before, because I was like, not enough. I need more. And I was very wrong. And this went on for several weekends, because keep in mind, I only you know work in the lab. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh and so then I was like, wait, when it says not enough peaks, it actually means less. But I feel as though the statement should be worded differently to suggest that, like, insufficient peaks too thick of a smear. Something, something, anything. Anything other than what it said would have been better because I was going in the wrong, wrong, wrong direction. So... If you see the comment or the error of not enough peaks, it does not mean more. It actually means less. Mm. Less is more. Less is more when it comes to Maldi. Definitely piqued my interest there. Oh. 
Did it pique your interest enough times, Aaron, or was there not enough? It was not. It was sufficient enough for an identification. More. 